Life Audio. Welcome to The Walk, a devotionals podcast for worshipers. Speaker, musician, and child advocate Grant Norsworthy is our guest, and he expands upon a revelation he received while playing in the band Sonic Flood about how words steer us like a ship being steered by a rudder. Here we go. Hey, I'm Grant. It's good to be with you. The Walk. Wow. A bit dangerous getting musicians to talk about themselves. We love talking about ourselves. But uh, I'm pleased to be on this podcast, getting to tell a little bit of my story. And, um, and my story as a worshipper. I have no doubt that if you're listening to this podcast, you're a passionate worshipper. You want to worship God in spirit and in truth as a living sacrifice. You want to swim more deeply into the mystery of what it means to worship Almighty God. I'm the same. I, I don't know if I've got anything to teach you as you listen to this, but I can just tell you my story because I'm learning a lot and maybe you can benefit from what I'm learning. You know, I've been around for a while. I'm beaming in to make this podcast from my home in New Zealand, but I'm originally from Australia. That's the accent somewhere between Australia and New Zealand, I guess. Um, But I've lived in Nashville, Tennessee for 17 years and I've been involved in music within the church all my life and uh, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to worship God. But what does it mean to worship God? What does that word mean when we say it, when we hear it, when we write it? My story is linked to my understanding of the word worship. I'm a word guy. I think some of that happens when you you live in Australia and then you go to live in America. You realize there's a whole bunch of words from your version of the English language that don't make sense anymore. And you're hearing words from American version of English that you didn't understand the way they're being said, so you start thinking about words a whole lot. And I think a lot about words, and words are important, right? I mean, the Bible tells us that our lives are steered by our tongues like a ship is steered by a rudder. So words. I've heard the word worship all my life, raised in the church, came to faith in Jesus really young. My mother used to use the word worship primarily as a noun. It was an event. Worship was this thing that happened on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and you better be at both of them. But if this event, this worship event, as she called it, went five minutes over time, man, she was bent out of shape. And then that church that I was raised in with organ and piano and choir, you know, yep, I'm pretty old. People sang so passionately these old songs, but they didn't really resonate with me as a kid growing up. And I went to these other church services and events and I heard the word worship being used differently, linked more closely to what this band with drums and electric guitar and keyboard were doing and as people were raising their hands and singing with more passion than I'd I'd experienced before. And when I heard this more exciting, vibrant, more connecting way of worshipping God through music, I wanted to drag it back to my church. And so as a 19-year-old kid who'd been playing bass guitar for about 15 minutes, I formed a little band and we, we had our Sunday night youth service at the very traditional Baptist church in Melbourne, Australia. And we did our best to present some of these more exciting songs that we'd, we'd heard and experienced elsewhere, other youth events and church services. 
And I remember an elderly lady coming right up to me immediately after the youth service, Sunday evening, and she looked at me with a scowl on her face and she pointed her arthritic finger at the platform where our band had been and she said, Grant, that was not worship. We're going to take a quick break to pay some bills and we'll be right back with more from Grant. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Soon after that, I became part of a, I guess, a more what we might call charismatic Pentecostal church. And the guy who was in charge of the music for the church services said to me, we need three praise songs and two worship songs. And then I relocated to Nashville, Tennessee. I was playing bass guitar in a band called the Paul Coleman Trio. And we were three guys who were following Jesus and we were writing songs, recording songs and touring. But most of our songs were designed for people to listen to our music. But we certainly wanted to show the worth of God through our music. And in Nashville, Tennessee, I started hearing the word worship used as an industry term. You know, managers and record labels were saying things to us like, worship's hot right now. You better make your next album a worship album. Finish your set with worship. And it got me thinking a lot, what does this word worship mean? I, I hear it being used in all these different ways. What does it really mean to worship God? And then when the Paul Coleman trio finished, I found myself playing bass guitar in a band that some people might remember, Sonic Flood. And here's the thing, Sonic Flood was known as being, and if you could see me, you'd see me making rabbit ear fingers with my fingers as I say, Sonic Flood was known as being a worship band, singing worship songs, giving people a worship experience. And the word worship being used as an adjective really closely linked to music. And I learned a lot in my three years in Sonic Flood about how music can be used to show the worth of God, how we can scoop up a congregation or an audience and point them towards God. And Man, I I would sing these songs and play bass for these songs and have a stronger sense of God's reality. But I was on stage one night and we were singing our biggest hit, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. People might remember that one. And it was always a beautiful moment for me. You know, I was excited to see I Could Sing of Your Love Forever on the little piece of paper on the floor next to my pedal board because I knew the congregation would really launch for that one. They love singing that prayer to God. And we would always turn it into an audience participation moment. That means we'd stop playing our instruments. We'd even back off our microphones. and We'd let the, the crowd, the congregation, the audience sing the title of the song, the chorus, over and over again. I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. It's a beautiful moment. I would sneak an eye open, you know, 
and see people sometimes weeping, raising their hands, just pouring themselves out to God, singing this thought that God's love for us is so wonderful that we want to make music about that for all eternity. But it was in one of those moments one night on stage with Sonic Flood that a thought hit me in the brain like a truck and my life has not been the same ever since. I don't know where you're at, listeners, whether you say God told me this or God told me that. I, I have a strong sense that God spoke to me that night. I, I don't know. I'm just a guy. But I heard this. Grant, I never asked you to sing of my love. Instead, I asked you to be my love. I can remember it really well. <clears throat> I can remember it really well. I'd spent most of my life trying to encourage people to sing of God's love. And I got pretty good at it. But I realized that nowhere in the recorded words of Jesus, the one I claim to follow, the one I claim to worship, nowhere does he ask us to sing of his love. There are passages in the Bible that convince me that singing of God's love is a good thing to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm more passionate today than at any point in my life to encourage people of the Christian faith to sing of God's love, to sing prayers to God, to sing praises of God, to sing declarations of truth about God. Yes, hallelujah, amen. But let's realize that Jesus doesn't ask us to sing of his love. He asks us to be his love to one another, to our neighbors, to our enemies, and to the least of these. And it seems to me that in the same way that the word awesome has been overused and misused over the last 30 or 40 years to a point where the word awesome hardly means anything today. The word awesome used to be powerful and potent. We would use the word awesome to, to describe something that filled us with awe and wonder. And there's a component of fear. You know, a mountain range could be awesome. When Rich Mullins wrote, our God is an awesome God, he was meaning in the original old meaning of the word but today a good cup of coffee can be awesome a hamburger can be awesome words steer us like a ship is steered by a rudder when we come back grant dives deep into how the meaning of words has affected our perspective on what worship really is there's also a death star reference coming up that you're not going to want to miss but first, last week we announced our Worship Through Israel tours, and this week we're excited to announce a special guest. We're headed to Israel the first week of February for a life-changing experience, and we would love for you to join us for tours, food, prayer, education, and of course, praise concerts, worship-filled devotional moments, songwriting, and more, alongside worship leader Meredith Andrews and her husband the accomplished producer and songwriter Jacob Souter. After meeting the people and touring the land of our Savior Jesus, no Christian will ever be the same. Now imagine doing that to a soundtrack of live worship music brought to you by Meredith and Jacob, a truly anointed couple. If you feel a tug on your heart, it's likely the Holy Spirit saying, this is your trip. So go to worshipthroughisrael.com and reserve your spot. That's worshipthroughisrael.com. It's going to be a life-changing experience. So when we hear the word worship, what are we thinking of? I want to be thinking of the word worship, 
the way God wants me to understand it, not the way my culture uses it. It seems to me that we've done the same thing to the word worship as has been done to the word awesome. We overuse it and we misuse it. We use it out of step with Scripture. This is my story. Hey, I'm not telling you that you're using the word wrong. Who, who am I? And I'm aware of who's hosting this podcast and the name of this organization. I get it. It's okay. But a massive catalyst for change for me in my journey as a worshiper happened when I decided to not use the word worship as an ineffective, misleading adjective. See, I think that terms like worship band, worship song, worship experience, worship service, even worship leader can disguise, can hide the deeper meaning of what it means to worship God. So if you're listening to this, the biggest change I could tell you about in my life was when I decided many years ago to stop using the word worship as an adjective. And I don't think of it as being a noun, a thing. The word worship is a verb. It's a doing word. In fact, just 300 years ago in our shared English language, the word worship was only a verb, and it was actually said worth-ship, reminding me that to worship God is to show the worth of God, to ascribe value to God. So to me now, the Paul Coleman trio who were writing and recording songs that were designed for people to listen to them, they were still trying to show how worthy God is. We just weren't asking people to sing them. And then in Sonic Flood, we wrote different sorts of songs with lyrics that actually invited the congregation to sing their prayer to God. Both bands were inviting people to show the worth of God. But I'm realizing that the way I keep my marriage vow is a way of worshipping God, you know? The way I raise my children is a way of worshipping God. The way I conduct business is a way of worshipping God. In fact, Romans 12.1 is a, is a verse that uh, I think we all need to have close to our hearts. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's great mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and let that be your spiritual, reasonable, intelligent act of worship. You see, this worship is 24-7, 365 and 366 on a leap year. There's another little Bible passage that when I, uh, when I dug more deeply into it a number of years ago, it knocked me across the room. <laughs> you know, James 1.26 is not a widely known verse, but it says, If anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight run on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Now, I'm just going to unpack there this statement. Deceives himself. I can deceive myself. You know, in the same way that no terrorist thinks of themselves as being a terrorist, they think of themselves as being a freedom fighter, right? Most racist behavior happens from people who do not think of themselves as being racist. Well, I need to keep this close to my heart. As I swim more deeply into what it means to be a worshiper, I need to realize that I could be deceiving myself. I can think I'm a worshiper, but I'm actually an idolater. And there's another thing about James 1.26. It says, if anyone considers himself religious. Well, I don't think of myself as being religious. I bet you listening to this don't think of yourselves as being religious. But 50 years ago maybe a hundred years ago, people thought it was great to be religious if they were following Jesus, if they were part of the Christian church. But through overuse and misuse, like the word awesome, like the word worship, like many other words, I think the word religion has changed in its meaning. No, I don't think of myself as being religious. 
So I had to dig a little deeper. Mouse click, don't be impressed. Bible gateway, couple of mouse clicks. The Greek word behind the word religion and religious in James 1.26. I might be mispronouncing it. Thraskia, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'm a passionate theologian. So this is a better interpretation of James 1.26 for us today, I reckon. If anyone considers himself a worshipper, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his worship is worthless. Ouch. Can you imagine that for a professional musician? Worship band, worship leader, worship song, worship experience. Yeah. James 1.27 is the next verse after James 1.26. <laughs> Go figure. It says, Because pure and perfect worship in the sight of God is to care for orphans and widows in their trouble and remain uncorrupted by the world. And the world I live in, the Christian music world, tells us that worship is... What? What does it mean to you? Is it the chill down our spine? Is it the 20-minute set we need to prepare? Is it a one-hour, 15-minute block on Sunday morning or some other time? No, I think the worship of God is something way bigger. This has been a problem since Cain and Abel. We can read about those guys arguing over whose worship of God was better. That didn't turn out well. You know, I was speaking to a guy recently and I was suggesting to him that if he chose keys a little lower, maybe more of his congregation would be able to sing. I was having this call with him because his pastor asked me to. He's a high tenor, he's a great singer, but no one could sing along with him when he's quote-unquote leading worship. And he said these words, I can't sing the songs lower, Grant, because if I do that, I can't worship. What did he mean by that? I was speaking to another buddy recently and he said, some of the songs my church are doing are just not worship. And I asked him what he meant by that. And it turns out my friend thought that only songs that referred to God in the second person you could be worship. Anything else like I raise a hallelujah or I surrender all, they can't be worshiped to my friend. And I spoke to somebody else who said, I'm so thankful that I, that I came to your event with my 16-year-old daughter. It was, it was at your event that my daughter first worshiped. And I asked what she meant, and she meant that her 16-year-old daughter for the first time had closed her eyes and raised her hands during songs. You know, the worship of God is way, way bigger. And that's my walk. That's my story. I decided to change the way I use the word. And it's helping me swim more deeply into the mystery of what it means to be offering myself as a living sacrifice, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Because it seems to me, you know, we're, we're sometimes using language of the old covenant because we did used to go to the temple to worship God because his presence was in the temple. But in the new covenant, Jesus is my high priest and I am a priest right alongside Jesus and I am filled with the Holy Spirit. My body is a temple and where God is, he must be being worshipped. And yes, I want to sing as one of the ways I worship God. I want to guide others to sing as one of the ways we worship God. Absolutely. But the worship of God must continue after the songs have faded, must continue after we leave the auditorium. If I'm going to be more and more aware of God's presence that fills me by His Spirit 24-7, 365, I must use language that points me towards that truth. And I want to guide others towards that as well. I really hope this doesn't sound like I'm on a soapbox bashing away and trying to 
point fingers and criticize. I don't want to be a modern day Pharisee. I'm just telling you my story. This is my walk, you know. I'm not saying you have to change the way you use the word worship. I'm not saying that worship leader is misnamed. Not at all. And, you know, I think a lot of people just think, yeah, I I can cope with multiple uses of the one word. Like, I know that cool is a temperature range and when I like something. I'm just telling you my story. This is a main catalyst for change in me. It was like a bag of rocks falling off my shoulders. You know, I don't think of myself as being a worship leader. I lead sung worship. I lead singing as one of the expressions of worship. And that language just points me towards the whole life response of worship. You know, I used to say, Worship is a lifestyle in interviews. I remember being asked while I was in Sonic Flood years ago, what's worship? Worship's a lifestyle. I parroted it. It sounded so right. It sounded so good. But then I realized that uh, Jesus says, hold on to your life. You're going to lose it. Give away your life. That's how you find it. And then I see the paradox of offering yourself as a living sacrifice. Jesus does come to give us life and life to the full. He absolutely does. But that's only half the story. He asks us to lay down our lives. We lay down our life to be filled with his life by his spirit. That's what it means to be a worshiper. Worship is a living death style. That's, that's the thought I'd love to leave us with. We get to live. Hallelujah. But we have to die. Die to our sin natures. Die to our selfish ambitions. And die to our desire to craft the worship of our own design rather than worship God on his terms. The worship that God is asking of us more than anything else is to care for the poor, care for those in need. That's where the rubber hits the road of being a worshipper. Hey, let me pray. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, we recognize that it's only because your son Jesus lived, died and rose from the dead and gives us your spirit that we're able to pray to you like this, just to talk to you and know that you hear us. God, we want to worship you. We want to worship you to the full value of who you are. Forgive us, God, for reducing what it means to worship into something that fits into our lifestyles. Show us what it means to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Show us what it means to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, help us to worship you the way you ask us to worship you. Help us to realize that as we are compassionate towards the least of these, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, the lonely, the imprisoned, there is a chance to to encounter more of who you are and to worship you. God, we're, we're a bunch of people who want to know you better and want to worship you more. Help us on this journey. Show us the way by your Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, God, for music. What a joy that we get to sing of your worth. Amen. Thank you, Grant, for joining our podcast from across the Pacific. If you couldn't already tell, Grant is an incredible trainer and mentor of worship leaders. See our show notes for a link to more on what Grant does off the stage and check out theworshipleaderinstitute.com for more on -on one-on-one coaching. Grant Norsworthy has an unpublished song that he shared with us that we're going to play out this episode with called Adoption Song. 
As always, special thanks to Matt McCarty for producing and Lucas McCarty for editing today's episode. Jacob Fairclough produced our theme song. The Walk is brought to you by Worship Leader. I also want to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other Faith Center podcasts. They've got shows about health and wellness, parenting, current cultural events, and more. So check them out at lifeaudio.com. I'm Joshua Swanson. Here's Adoption Song. Life Audio. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.